Welcome back again for the next podcast episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin here with you today. Hello, Gavin. Hello. <clears throat> today, listener, if you have been following along these last couple of episodes, uh, I mentioned that we would be in Second Chronicles 20, and we are. And so if you want to find that, Second Chronicles 20, we're going to look at the first four verses and then skip down to verse 12. Uh, the whole chapter is really uh, just an amazing chapter and one I would encourage you to read if you uh, if you haven't done so recently, especially, just to be reminded of um, what all's going on. It's such a blessing. Uh, but some great, uh, great things we see here. And so Gavin's going to kick us off in prayer, and then I'm going to read. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I do ask and beg, as is usual, that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wondrous things out of your word, your law, uh, and that it would be uh, heart-transforming. Heavenly Father, your word, um, th that sword of the Spirit, does an amazing work on our heart, which is wicked and deceitful and can lead us astray. Your heart, it, your word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart, and I pray that it would do its work uh, right now, that it will not return void. We are assured of that, that it would do an amazing work on us. And Heavenly Father, it does not help um, the people around us if we just take that word into our heart and do nothing with it, but that we would not only live it out, but that we would proclaim it, that it would not depart from our lips, that it would be ever present in the things that we say uh, to the people around us, the things that we do, uh, that they would be um, that that they would be encouraged, and that we would be with them for their progress and joy in the faith. We ask this all in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Again, that Second Chronicles chapter twenty, beginning of verse one says, "It happened after this that the people of Moab and the people of Ammon and the others with them, besides the Ammonites." Uh, which, reader, by the way, that there's some dispute about uh, who we're talking about here. Uh, some Many translations use the word uh, meunites, but at any rate, uh, these three people, these three groups, these three nations uh, came to battle against Jehoshaphat, and then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hezazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi, and Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And then if you'll drop down to verse 12, it says, uh, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. Yeah, such a such a great uh, great reminder uh, of our response in the face of the impossible. <clears throat> he trusted God, Jehoshaphat did, and, and the people followed him in in trusting in God with what seemed to be an impossible situation. All right, um, well let's let's just start. Yeah, the world is uniting against them, right? Yep everybody everybody hates him. Nobody likes him, and so he was just going to eat some more. This is a horrible aside, but do you, have you ever heard of the Wonder Twins? Yes. Zan and Jana, and they're I, I didn't monkey remember that, but I, and they would I, say Wonder Twin powers. Yeah, unite, activate. Yeah, activate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, if I just thought me unite, that's probably what you did when you were running around in your underoos. Going, I mean, you didn't have Zan and Jana there, so you would just say me unite. <laughs> so, I, I was old enough when the Wonder Twins, because I'm older than you, I was old enough when the Wonder Twins came out that I wasn't saying me unite. Me unite. <laughs> All right. So an ambiguous clan and Russ, me unites. 
<laughs> All right, let's get back to the text. Yeah. After this, uh, the Moabites and the Ammonites. By the way, we, we really didn't get into uh, Ahab and Jehoshaphat and their alliance and then how, you know, Ahab seeks to go against God's prophecy and seeks to guard himself, and he ends up getting killed in a, a you know, a mundane and yet supernaturally ordained way. It was yeah. it's, it's pretty interesting. You, you just, as you said, we could spend the rest of our lives in Second Chronicles and be blessed by what we glean from it. But yeah. um, so good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and with them some of the uh, Mayunites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, "A great multitude is coming against you from Edom." And what you're supposed to feel there is overwhelming odds. This, dread. Yeah, dread. Yeah, this is bad. Um. Uh, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazon Tamar and Get and Gedi. Mm-hmm. Is that what you have? And yep. Gedi. Yeah. Uh, and then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. Anything you want to? Well, I think that's normal. First of all, to to have fear, but I love his reaction in fear. You know, he didn't panic. He he didn't you know go to the palm reader or to the whatever. He he went to the Lord. He, the necromancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sought um, to seek the Lord. Well, I, I th- you know, all of life, I think, points us to God. If, if, if it's to be understood correctly, life should point you to God. In this case, very, very tangibly, there's a great uh, army amassed against him, and fear creeps in, and he turns to God. <laughs> Sorry, Russ just broke something. It looked like he was looking across the desk at me with a glare in his eyes, and and he was it like snap like please stop talking is what it looked like. No, I wouldn't. It's do so that. funny. I wouldn't do that. He he broke a tag off of something, but it looked like he was he was over there flexing. That's me. All right. So, um, uh, but I was going back to uh, Colossians one twenty eight, and maybe this is helpful. Maybe it's not. But Paul writes to the church at Colossae: Him we proclaim, God we proclaim, Christ we proclaim, Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And then you said this in one of the episodes earlier this week: For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that He powerfully works within me. So that's a God wrought and empowered ministry that Paul has. Um, and he's doing it according to the strength that God supplies and provides. Right. Right. But here's the ministry warning everyone flee from the wrath to come warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There is a warning that is associated with the Christian ministry, right? A warning against the, 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 the ways of the flesh, Warnings against succumbing to the temptation of the, the the father of lies and all his minions, the the demons, and warning against um, the world, following the ways of the world. There is a warning against you know remaining in sin and not turning to Christ. So I love this picture that we're getting in Second Chronicles, where there's this massive army. He is warned about this. He, he was warned about this army, and he turns to God. That is the right response to every warning that you get in life is turn to God. And it doesn't mean just turn and sit. If you're warned against something, you you act. But turn to God in your actions as well. Let him guide and direct your path according to his word. How would you say you do with this? 
Um, just so, generally. Uh, horribly. Uh, I'll, I'll give you two quick examples uh, really quickly. Or do you have an example you want to go first? No, no, go uh, ahead. Okay, so... <laughs> By all means, Dorothy. Ladies just first. Just take over. It's your show anyways. That's right. No, it's not. It's Russ's. So I, I love that. Um, all right, so... so uh, I think I've mentioned this before. I was in Colorado, Denver, Colorado, and uh, my cousin fell down the stairs. And my immediate response was, okay, how can I help? And that's not a bad response. That's a good response. How can you help and everything else? But it moved me immensely when um, when her stepmom said, all right, you go get ice to somebody. You pray. And I'll see what's going on. Prayer was the very, and, and I don't remember the order, but prayer was yeah. first in her mind, and it wasn't even on my radar. That's mm. awful to me. Yeah, Turn to God. Because listen, God is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. If he wants to heal, he heals. Uh, nothing is impossible with him. Do you live like that? And then the other one was um, my son was we were out on a sled and we built this ramp and he just hit the ramp the wrong way uh, on the snow. He, he was on this little um, saucer and he went straight up, went, uh, you know, head over heels, straight up and down and landed on his head. And he immediately wasn't moving at all. Oh, wow. Um, and he was in pain. But he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't wiggling. You know, you'd think somebody in pain is going to be, you know, squirming or something like that. He wasn't moving his lower body neck down at all. And my first thought was, okay, how do we immobilize him? How do we get him to the hospital? What do we do? And, And the person that was with me just set his hand and started praying. Those are two moments in my life years ago, but very powerful moments that I hope never go away where somebody did. They acted in a way that was helpful, but also immediately prayer was first and foremost in their life. When when you are warned, this could by, by action in this case with my son. When you're warned, this could be bad. Your son may never walk again. Is your first response prayer, and it doesn't neglect other means. God uses means of healing. It's called common grace, and we celebrate doctors, hospitals, medicine. We celebrate those things. But is your primary immediate response to turn to God? So how do you do? Uh, probably not much better than you. Uh, you know, I can't really uh, pinpoint particular stories, but I've had similar experiences where, you know, my reaction was not prayer, but someone else's was. You know, and and there's a certain sting that that is associated prideful, with that. and I hate that. I don't yeah. even like the prideful sting. I want it to be the the provoking sting. But now I can point to also examples of times when I did respond this way, when I did go to the Lord in prayer in the, in the face of of something that seemed impossible. And, you know, I chalk that up not to myself. I, I don't pat myself on the back there. I, I, I give credit where credit is due, and that is to the Lord. I, I, I thought believe, you said you made Christy pat you on the back when you, and you're like, attaboy. Yeah. She gives you two, what is it, two way to goes? You told me this whole scenario, two way to goes equals an attaboy. So and yeah, like if she pats yeah. you on the back enough, you're, yeah, yeah, you get an attaboy. That's right. Way to go. You weren't supposed to say it. <laughs> but no, I, I just, you know, and, but, I give the Lord all the glory there because I believe that there's something um, we would all like to think that our first response is the right response, but it's just not always the case. But I think there's something powerful about that response that is right in the face of the impossible. It's almost like my, my understanding when Stephen was being stoned, you know, he didn't, he didn't curse him. He didn't, he, he, he said almost he, exactly what Jesus said from the cross. Yeah, God, forgive, forgive them. them. Yeah. I think there's something supernatural about that. Amen. 
Well, you know, also is giving them the word of God. Yeah. That's not our defense. Our defense is to guard us instead of that. Let me, let me give you two ways that we practice. And one's going to be pretty, pretty graphic and morbid, but the other one. Um, so, uh, Hebrews reminds us that the mature are those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Are you practicing holiness? Are you practicing the presence of God? You know, in the but are you practicing holiness? Are are so, so one of the things that I've done recently, really, to practice is every time I hear an ambulance, I, I want to pray immediately. I want I want to practice. My first response is That's prayer. Good. Turn That's to good. God. So you, I'm using things to provoke me to, to pray. You know, and then the other one that I've thought about is, you know, not to be too morbid or graphic, and I'll try to, you know, if if you have young kids listening, I want to make this appropriate, but I also want it to be meaningful. If somebody walks into a movie theater and and with intent to harm, you know, active shooters, if if somebody walks into a movie theater, have you practiced in your mind what you would do? Are you going to crawl up and protect yourself? Are you going to run out the exit door? Or are you going to lay across your children or, or, you know, seek to get them to safety? Are you going to guard your wife and protect your wife as you were called by God to do? Um, and then the other thing, are, if you're alone and somebody somebody does that to you, this is this is what really moved me. Especially when I went to another country one time, and it was a it was notoriously dangerous. Though the area we went to was ridiculously safe, um, and I went ready to die and felt the whole time there. I feel bad for Julie who's got the kids while I'm enjoying this very safe and you know it was certainly evangelistic, but a safe trip. Um, but when you go there, you have to think about these things. If somebody comes in and you're not now worried about guarding and protecting your family and still turning to God in those moments, would you reach out to the person and give them the gospel as they're killing you? Yeah, you know, I've actually, uh, I've actually thought about, you know, that before that very scenario because I've heard those stories of people that you know somebody breaks in their home and and uh, you know they they're armed and uh, the homeowner you know sharing the gospel. You know, rather than getting their gun out or you know whatever, sharing the gospel, and uh, you know, gee, I sure would like to think that would be me, but I, I think it's one of those things where you don't really know. You don't, and you brought it up with Stephen that that is a supernatural response. Yeah, that you hope that God gives you that particular indwelling of the Spirit, that that grace that that is required to do that. But are you practicing that in your mind? Yeah, no. I mean, we, you know, I've said this a lot. We don't practice the Sabbath, so you get very few people that long for heaven. We don't practice the Sabbath. We don't, we don't anticipate our day off. We don't guard it. We don't anticipate it. So it's become really almost irrelevant, the Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath is a type and shadow of that eternal rest, and we should practice longing for the earthly Sabbath and much more so for the heavenly one, yeah. that eternal rest. We don't practice these things. We don't practice holiness. We just hope it happens. Right. You want to talk about you know, resolutions, New Year's resolutions, again, don't make one that you're going to, you know, will yourself to do these things. Make one that you're going to trust God will empower you to do it. But you want to talk a good New Year's resolution, practice holiness. Not only let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, not only be saturated with prayer, but practice the things that you're called to do. Right. Which are many. Which are many. Like sharing your faith. And it goes beyond that, but yeah. So you have Jehoshaphat who jumped to his knees to pray. Well, we don't have that his position of prayer, but he did turn to God. Yeah, and he fasted. Okay, and not not just fasted, but claimed to fast. So he was a leader. So he's calling the nation to fast and to pray, and it says they did. They came to seek the Lord. Right. 
That's the influence of a godly leader. Uh, right. And, and, and one of the things that, you know, especially with my high view of the sovereignty of God, why does God not immediately remove all of the troubles of your life? And I think this is part of them. There are many. It's manifold. And I won't, pro- pro- I won't profess to know the mind of the Lord. I'm, I'm not his counselor. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? You know, or who has given a gift to him that he should be repaid? Not me. I'm not that guy. So I don't profess to know that. But I think one of the reasons that we have these trials and tribulations in our lives, among many, but one of them, um, is that we would be a dependent people, yeah. a praying people, acknowledging our limitations. We, we, are, we are finite and limited. God is infinite and unlimited. He is the absolute infinite. And in these types of situations, these what we would call bad situations, provoke us to depend on God. They're desperate, and they turn to him. And that's a good place to be. Well, I think, you know, throughout Bible we see, throughout the Bible we see where hardships create a dependency, and I think we can safely say that that, that is a, a definite aspect of the hardships that we deal with today. Hmm. Well, and Paul makes that abundantly clear in Second Corinthians chapter 2 when he says, you know, that we were burned to the point we despaired even of life, and that was to make us rely on God and not ourselves. I mean, that's the point. Mm-hmm. I mean, he makes that clear. Yeah. You're, we're not speculating these things. That that's clear in Scripture. Um, all right. So you you want to get into verse twelve? So yeah, I love the response. You know, basically, you know, we have no power. We have no power over this multitude. We don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to look to you. Our eyes are on you. And uh, there again, there's that dependency that we were talking about. We're not going to freak out. We're not going to panic. We're going to look to you, Lord. We're going to trust you with this. Come what may. So, so I think one of the things that, you know, in the Old Testament, oftentimes it is a come and see, look at our God and his power at work in us. And so God rescues his people in that way, in a very tangible, physical, temporal, immediate way. But in the New Testament... Um, you know, Paul says, God will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Well, what does that mean? That God will keep me safe as I'm executed. Hmm. Can you imagine that prayer from Josaphat? Yeah, let them execute us and let us die well. That's not the prayer he's praying right now. Right. But Paul is, Paul acknowledges, and, and Jesus says, some of you are going to be killed, and they're going to think they're doing a service to God, but not one hair of your head will be harmed. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a bizarre thing, but what he's saying is like, you're going to be kept safe, but you're going to be kept safe into heaven. You're going to be spiritually. No one's going to touch you spiritually. No one's going to snatch you out of the hand of my father. No one can. He will keep you safe. And he has blessed you with Christ. And with him will he also not freely give you all things. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So you've been richly blessed, but it's not in the way sometimes we see. And so my point with all of that is, um, can we trust God? And that's what Jehoshaphat is doing. He's trusting God with this prayer. Do we trust God when we pray that all, you know, so, so Jesus makes his request known, let this cup pass from me. And that's a good prayer. We, we should ask for everything you want, everything you need, everything in between. And then, so, you know, with prayer, by prayer and supplication, with much thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God in everything, right? So that's how you should pray. That's a good part of it. That's the, the Christ-like part of it as well. Let this cup pass from me. That's a, that's a good prayer. Anything you want, anything you need, pray. If it's, if it's of God, pray. Right. The second part of that is, do you trust? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done, because your will is better than mine. This horde in Jehoshaphat's case would overwhelm. God, we trust you. 
That's the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayer. Absolutely. Our God can, he will, but even if he doesn't, because we trust him, but even if he doesn't, and God keep me safe, but even if you don't, I know you're good. Yeah. And he not only delivers, ultimately delivers Judah out of this, uh, he, (laughs) we talked about Dario this morning, his battle plan wasn't that they grabbed their spears and swords and uh, javelins or whatever their weapons were. They sang. He sent them into the battlefield to sing, to praise God, and uh, they were faithful. And just as we saw in chapter 17, God rewarded their faithfulness. Uh, So it actually took them three days to gather up all of the um, spoils of the war because there were so many spoils that these three armies were carrying. Okay, so you, how do we apply that to the New Testament, to the New Covenant? Again, it's the go and tell, and there is great yep. suffering, and some of you will not be preserved. Right. I'll tell you this, your treasures have been laid up in heaven. That's right. And there's greater treasure in heaven than you can ever imagine going through you know, the, the plunder of a victory. I don't care how wealthy the nation is, nothing will compare to the treasure that has been set aside and guaranteed to for you, guaranteed for you by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the greatest of all the treasures that you will experience, one of the one of the things that lights my fire when I think about heaven is all of the spectacular things of heaven. They're not the focus. I love thinking about that. It, it becomes a sidebar. The the most spectacular things that you have ever seen in your life. I don't care if it's I don't care if it's the coolest car you've ever driven. I don't care if it's the most money you've ever seen. I don't care if it's the Grand Canyon or the stars in the heavens. All of them will pale in comparison to the throne of God. That's going to be our occupation and preoccupation in heaven. Yeah. That's what I long for. We we get preoccupied with the wealth of this world, but the that's nothing. In, even in heaven, it's amazing, as amazing it is. Like you said, it's nothing compared to the Lord. Right. I love a quote by Warren, Warren Wearsby that I found as I was studying for uh, this this passage, um, and and he said that even a valley can become a place of blessing if we learn how to praise the Lord. And uh, you know, so they were facing this impossible situation, but they obeyed God. They they feared God and uh, they trusted God, and God's word was to praise the Lord. So, but I, you know, I I want to I want to kind of apply that again to the New Testament where Paul says more than this we rejoice in our sufferings right. knowing that suffering produces endurance endurance produces character character produces hope and that hope won't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the spirit so so you know I mean how how do you how do you reconcile these two two things you know uh, and the only way that I've done it is to say um would any and this is what I ask do you love your kid so you can answer it really quickly. And I've asked you this before, and I've done it on the on the podcast before, but let's yes. just walk through this and see if – do you love your kids? Just yes. answer in the stereotypical way. I know that they're true for you, but would you ever hurt your kids intentionally? No. Okay. Uh, would you ever stab your kids? No. Would you ever pay for your kids to be stabbed? No. Okay, we're absolutely sure Russ loves his kids and wouldn't, wouldn't harm them at all intentionally. Would you ever uh, – have they ever been to the doctor and received a shot? Yes. So they've been pierced with metal, and you probably paid for it. Yes. Why? Because it was best for them. Yep, for their good. When you start seeing the world and every affliction that you will ever go through as working together for your good, you can be like Paul, where he says, this momentary light affliction is preparing for me an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporal. They're passing away, but the things that are unseen, they're eternal. What a glory. What a glorious thing we, we, uh, we will enjoy in heaven. 
That's why Paul can say confidently and boldly, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Yeah. You mean rejoice in the hardships? Yes. Yeah. Rejoice in the good times? Yes. What is that James 1, 2 passage? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Right? Yep. All right. Well, uh, listener, again, thank you for joining us today. I hope this has been an encouraging start to the year for you as we've looked at dis- different ways uh, uh, for you know to be resolved to faithfulness in the Lord this, this year. I hope that you will continue to uh, read your Bible. I encourage you to read through chapter 17 through 20. Uh, by the way, one of the things I didn't mention uh, in the uh, last episode was the outcome of the consequences to the compromise that uh, Jehoshaphat made. The daughter-in-law that uh, from this unholy alliance that uh, he created would end up becoming queen. She would end up killing most of the descendants of David, which is a real problem because uh, the Messiah comes from David. Uh, But she also reinstituted uh, the idol worship, and ultimately Judah ended up being destroyed and and put into captivity because of their idolatry. So uh, sometimes what seems like no big deal in our compromises have profound consequences. At any rate... um, Thank you for joining us. We look forward to catching up with you in the next podcast episode. Until then, God bless.